advice for Thursday, September 28th, 2023. We're coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built built by Arbor Lee, and that's here at the iconic Wall Center, where, hey, if you're going to a game this weekend, and there are plenty, the Lions on Friday night, the Whitecaps Saturday night, the hockey team's playing Saturday as well, why don't you extend your game night, make it a staycation here at the Wall Center. You can get in touch, 604-331-1000. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price, Grace Ass, hitting switches, conducting things in this show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group, celebrating 25 years. they got a big show going on, a party at the Performance Center in Langley on Sunday. I'll be there, and you can get fantastic, great deals on new Nissan Leafs and Rogues at Applewood Nissan Surrey, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Richmond, Try the QX50 from Infinity or the QX60, what I drive. You can lease it from 3.99%. There are no charge maintenance packages with purchase, a chance to win $25,000. See dealer for details because, Blake. It is all good at Applewood. Bulldog poll question today. We're asking you, would retiring Roberto Luongo's number one be unfair to the other number one, Kirk McLean? Yes or no, you can vote at Sikerson Price on Twitter. Bulldog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Saskatchewan Rough Riders come into BC Place tomorrow. There are some injuries there. Now, X-Line Peter Godber is going to play at center. The offensive line hasn't been great. They've got an injury at running back. Maybe they're one-dimensional. Maybe they're zero-dimensional tomorrow at BC Place. I'm going to take the Leos and lay 10 Yeah, with Dominic Rimes back. I, and the way that defense played last week. On your Bodog line. That seems of the very safe. Day. Yes. And, of course, the Lions clinch a home playoff date with a victory tomorrow. We don't yet know whether it will be the West Final or the West Semi, but if they win tomorrow, they will be hosting a playoff game for the second straight year. And, Blake, two consecutive home playoff dates. They haven't done that since 2011-2012. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident it's going to happen, Matt. I'm not worried about it, judging by the really? third place squad. Are you on the sidelines tomorrow? No. Okay. Not till the Winnipeg game. Ah, okay. Because you weren't exactly the lucky charm for the Canucks on your rink-wide debut on Sunday. You were the cooler. Really? Yeah, it's, yeah, it was my fault. I yeah. said to Jeff yesterday, I was... They just, lost last night for you, too. You took the L2, Matt. Yeah. Come on. But he did get the little single point. Oh, listen to this. Another count he heard from. <laughs> No, but I said to Jeff off the top yesterday, I said, Jeff, I was just dreading, you know, being in this chair for something like Blake's debut on Rankwide 10 nothing. But, you know, midway through that hockey game last night, there weren't many talking no. points. Not exactly a memorable preseason game, if there is such, such an animal. Uh, I'll be back with Jeff on Saturday as the Oilers come in here for a preseason contest against the Canucks. And I would suspect that Edmonton is going to dress a lesser lineup than what we saw last night and that Vancouver will draw, dress a more representative NHL lineup. Of course, they're in Seattle tonight. It's a non-televised game. And that marks the midpoint of the Canucks preseason. Let's just address the poll question for a second. And we didn't necessarily want to go here with the poll. Grady sort of bullied us into this. Yeah. And these are these are worn tracks. Yes, We've been down this road. We, like honestly, this show has been down this road for what? When did when did Roberto get traded out of here? Eight years ago, something like that. Yeah, pretty much then we so, started. So you know we've uh, we've covered this territory far and wide on Securus and Price, but it still seems to be a thing. 
it still seems to be a, a thing with basically nostalgists or people who have an emotional connection that they can't see through with regards to Kirk McLean. And I'll, I'll shout our, our old friend Don Taylor here, who asks on Twitter, why is it outrageous to suggest Kirk McLean was on the same level as Roberto Luongo as Canucks goaltender? And my answer would be because Roberto was just simply better. Yeah. I don't know why Don can't see that. Well, maybe it's nostalgia right. just caught in his opinion there, but I mean, it's they're they're not comparable in terms yeah. of being at the top of the no. league over a sustained period of time. Like I love Kirk dearly. We've done many events together over the years. He is a franchise icon, to be sure. He's decided to make his home here in Vancouver, despite the fact he was a Toronto guy after his playing career. He's made the franchise better with his activities in retirement, and he's made our community better and the province better. You, you see some of the work he does on behalf of Canucks Charities and around the province, and he's sensational. Sensational. And then, yes, that's a big part of what the Canucks are looking for when they honor players with uh, Ring of Honor and Jersey retirement. But Roberto leads in most of the significant goaltending categories and is a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah. One of the great goaltenders of his generation – He's on a list of the top 10 NHL goaltenders ever, I would think. And how often was McLean considered one of the best goalies of his era? Maybe a couple seasons at the most, whereas Roberto, year in and year out, oh, was always at for the top. Years. You know, frankly, Kirk's a lot like Trevor. Fantastic hockey players who made indelible marks on this community and on this franchise, but doesn't stack up with the all-time greats. Let's, you know. Goals saved above average, which is a good little analytic that's come to mm-hmm. the forefront the last few years. McLean, minus 96.1. Luongo, plus 270.3. That Re- tells it right there because Re- you're comparing it to the peer group of when they played. I used to argue with my friends back in Roberto's first tour with Florida that I think you could vote him by 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 the criteria and the wording of the Hart Trophy. I think you could have voted him a Hart Trophy guy each and every year a judge most valuable to his team because he played on some really terrible Florida teams and night after night after night stood on his head and kept them in games. And then, of course, we all remember what he did his first year here in Vancouver. He was extraordinary. It was a really mediocre, if that, group of skaters. And with Alan Vigneault in a defensive system and Roberto at the back barring the door, that team made the playoffs. Won a, se- won a round. 91-92, Kirk McLean finished fourth in Vezina Trophy voting. <laughs> but that was the Iowa mark. Yeah. I don't think he got a single vote any other year. And there were plenty of years where I think you could say Kirk McLean was one of the best five goalies or best ten goalies in the NHL. Yeah. He was damn good. But Luongo was always top Look, five, top three. Roberto's next level. Yes. It's not comparable. It really just mm-hmm. isn't. Now, you can Canucks, you can make the argument Canucks had a much better team in front of Roberto. Can you, though, in his early in, in years? The later here, years in, in the later years, in the first few years, for sure. In the first few years, they built their team around Roberto, and yeah. he was stellar. Like, 06 through 09, I, I, there wasn't anything outstanding about the Canucks group of skaters. Are, are you kidding me? Elaine Vigneault used to joke that the game plan was... Yeah, let's go, Roberto. Yeah, that's it. 
Like, that's how little they had in front of them. Well, that's it. I mean, Blake, you remember those years? Like, Taylor Pied is skating with the Twins on the top line. That's yeah. the, he's not a first-line winger. No. Uh, first year, they would get nothing fantastic. out of the bottom six. They were they were they would get no offense out of the bottom six. Forty seven wins, nine twenty one. Yeah, forty seven wins. Like just. <laughs> but then when when the Sedins and Kessler, BX and those guys started when, to come when into they their matured, own. then yeah. you, that, then I think you'd argue. And then the play Roberto played on a team that it. was much better than anything Kirk played on. But you know, let's not discount how good some of those mid nineties Canucks teams were that Kirk played on. Anyways. We're moving on. It, it, the, the shame of this ar- argument or debate is that it sort of it ends up denigrating both. McLean. It, it winds up denigrating both. They should not be in the frankly, same category. Because, frankly, Roberto's going to go in the Ring of Honor in December, and I think you're going to get a lot of people and reporters as well going, he sh- his number should be retired. Mm-hmm. And then he's put in an awkward spot. I've got Luongo yeah. getting Vezina votes in Four seasons as a Vancouver Canuck? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Four or five seasons as a Vancouver Canuck? Yeah. Including invited to the award ceremony a couple times because well, he made the top three. You're, you're, you're in, you're out. He was in the Vezina conversation. It's that simple. 06, 07, second to Martin Broder. Mm-hmm. That close. Canucks lose 2-1 in overtime in Edmonton last night. But a much better effort and a bounce back from 10 nothing in Calgary on Sunday. Teddy Bluger was exceptional last night on the penalty kill. Like, for those who are wondering, and I count myself among them, why was this guy a priority on July 1st? 1.9 for a guy who was Vegas's fifth center? If he can play on the penalty kill like he did last night, the Vancouver Canucks should be much better in that area. And as we all know, that's the biggest weakness of the team. And that's against a hell of a power play because Edmonton dressed all their big guns last night. So a really good sign for the Canucks and their much maligned PK unit, that Bluger is in that sort of form, and you hope it continues, and of course you hope it's there for the opening two games of the season, both against Edmonton, first one here on October 11th, then the first Saturday in the Alberta Capitol. Imagine Bluger and Mikheyev mm-hmm. as your first well, PK. And, uh, last night, it was Bluger and... Oh, it'll come to me in terms of who was first over the boards, because Jeff and I were looking at that. Okay. Was it Amon? He was playing on one of the units. Well, the thing is, is um, they got pretty deep down the penalty kill it's forward Sheldon group. Dries well, Sheldon Dries came out with uh, Elias Pettersson as the third forward group. Uh, it was Bluger and Amon. That's right, Grady. First out. And then it was Joshua and Studnika. Mm-hmm. And then it was Petey and Dries. And, you know, each and every Edmonton power play thereafter, there was Teddy Bluger making a play. There was Teddy Bluger forcing a defenseman out of the zone, making the Oilers regroup at center ice. There was Bluger clearing the zone. There was Bluger with a shorthanded chance. There was Bluger and Patterson on a 2-1 and one out of the blocks, uh, uh, coming out of the box, Elias. So uh, really good stuff from Teddy Bluger. Hughes was terrific, but, of course, we come to expect that. Hughes played 24 minutes last night. Successive. A little excessive on uh, preseason, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, they had some power plays, though. That gets inflated. But yeah. I hear you. wasn't that heavy, was it, a power play? I, I mean, uh, and the other thing is, is he, he didn't take a shift early in the second period. We were for a second there looking, going, is, is he was staying in the room or something? Anyways, whatever. 
Casey DeSmith is first start as a Vancouver Canuck, and he looked good too. Yeah, if nice you can get Six that power kind plays, of goaltending out of Casey DeSmith, that is exactly what they need when Thatcher Demko needs a break. Mm-hmm. Because Casey DeSmith kept them in that hockey game last night. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he made any five alarm saves, but he made a lot of good saves. And on a night when your offense isn't going, he got you a point. And if your backup can amass you loser points, if not wins, prefer wins, then that is one of the recipes to getting to the playoffs. It can't be like it was last year, where when the backup is in, whether that was Spencer Martin or Colin Delia, it's guaranteed last night and you take home nothing. Now, Dakota Joshua was certainly on notice last night because the head coach said, you know, I need more from him. In fact, the head coach followed up uh, even more so in the um, pregame last night with play-by-play man Brendan Batchelor. Did you uh, happen to catch the quote there? I did not. Okay. Well, he says, I want to see him on the forecheck. When he's at his best, he's the first guy. He's winning those battles and energy and a lot of talking on the bench. Like everybody, you got to fight for some jobs here, and I feel that he needs to get himself going. His fitness level has to increase. So there's the tell a little bit. He's such a great kid. I want to see him succeed, but he's going to have to meet me at the 50-yard line here and make sure he ends up his holds up his end of the bargain. And one, two of the factors, I think, that are playing into some of these harsh words and criticism from Rick Tockett is that, hey, Dakota Joshua, you're one of our bigger, more rough-and-tumble guys and a four-checker. Phil DiGiuseppe did well last year. And Jack Stanika's really coming. Like, Stanika is the one guy, Blake, that I think you look at now and say, he had a big summer, great summer, good summer. He's the guy who's making sure he's being noticed in every drill, in every practice session, in every preseason game. And Joshua was better last night. He, he was. credited he was. with a three-hit three performance, but ultimately... I think time on ice is a bit of an indicator as to how far he came last night. He's still lagging behind a lot of guys. You know, guys like Dries played more than him. Amon played three more minutes than him. Uh, I think that specialty teams a little bit. Baines but I hear played what you're more saying. than him. Stadnika played more than him. Um, you know, like all these guys are still getting way more ice time. The only guys he outtimed was uh, Ratu and Assassin. So the two kids are the only guys who are getting more ice time. Yeah. Uh, frankly, I didn't feel like Hoaglander, Dries, or Ratu helped themselves last night. Well, Ratu would have been hard in 10 minutes. Oof. Preseason game again? Like, why don't you want to see the kid? Yeah. You're not trying to win the game. You're just trying to see the Hoaglander kid. Hoaglander was quite quiet last night after what was a very loud game Sunday. And that's more concerning because he was out there a lot and still couldn't make it Now, the work. one thing I will say is... Um, Dries and Oman played on the wing. And, of course, Bluger had the good game at center. And you now start to wonder whether their only route to this team for Sheldon Dries or Nels Oman is as wingers. Now, if we have an injury at center, okay, maybe you step in. And, of course, in Dries' case, he was pretty good on the power play last year. So seeing him on the penalty kill there, even if only briefly, makes you wonder whether they have designs on him being a little bit more of a utility club this year. At least Pedersen won 80% of his face-offs against NHL centermen, and that needs to be said at this time of year because oftentimes you'll be facing guys who are not NHL players in the dot. So that was good for them. We'll talk to Rob Williams a little later. Before you leave the center talk, Mm -hmm. 
having too many centers is a great problem yeah, to of have. Course it is. And St. Louis Blues for several years had like you know yeah six competent NHL centers, and some guys just have to be hybrids. I mean, if you've got Amon, Dries, mm-hmm. Stadnika, all of them can play center. Yeah, Amon was. Uh, he has to be a lot better at faceoffs if he's going to yeah. play center. I mean, as a fourth line center, you're yeah. not taking a lot of them, but that's fair. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk to Rob Williams later, and he's wondering about a little too much experimentation, like Cole McWard on a pair with Quinn Hughes and that sort of thing. I'm not at that level yet, but Blake, I am reminded of Redeem Verbata's famous criticism of Willie Desjardins. You remember that, that one preseason? where he said, look, you know, these preseason games are kind of the only opportunity to gain chemistry with line mates. I, I kind of like to know who I'm playing with and have that put in place here so I can develop chemistry with my line mates. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, I, I do believe that you have to get there eventually as an NHL head coach. I know they fall in love with some of the experimentations. I know they sort of want to see everything that they may have in mind going forward, and this is a better time to experiment than regular season games. But I would think after tonight, that once you get home on Saturday, we're going to see something that's a little bit more representative of how they could line up on opening night. I think you want the last two games as the virtual lineup with uh, maybe three guys each night. Yeah, anybody who's nicked or anything like that is it. But I, the first four, I think you can move things around a little bit. I mean, I really these guys are pros. You know, they they scrimmage together um, at practice during camp as well. So there's chemistry built up there. There's tendencies and stuff learned at that point. So as long as they played a couple of games together, I think that's good enough. Spencer Martin is on waivers today. I. I think it was pretty clear that Spencer Martin did not figure in the Vancouver Canucks plans after a, uh, well, let's face it, a disastrous year last year. I mean, he just did not show himself to be an NHL goaltender, which the previous year he had given, he had given them good work in the crease in a brief capacity. I don't think that's a big surprise. I think when Casey DeSmith came here, that was the writing on the wall for Spencer Martin. In fact, he got the two-year contract, you'll remember, after that good work a couple of years ago, and I think this Canucks would just as soon see him claimed and move elsewhere. Not a surprise at all. The timing might be a little bit interesting, just um, not not that it's salacious in any way. I'm just saying I, I maybe would have expected him to to get a look here in the preseason, but they clearly have their eyes on the first three goalies, and that means Shilovs and DeSmith and... And Demko. And it is Shelofs. We're Shelofs now, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, whatever he wants. Yeah. And it is Philip Ronick, like Jeremy Ronick. Ronick. Yeah. 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 I guess we've we've been working on Ronick. Ronick. Yeah. Don't pronounce that H, Matthew. Uh, I'm kind of like the uh, the old guy in the barber shop on Coming to America. Mm. If you remember that Eddie Murphy movie? Yes. Yeah. If the man wants me to call him Muhammad Ali. I will call him Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Yes, that actually so, was his name. Yes, and so was this in so, the case of Arthur Shelofs. Shelofs, hey, whatever you want. Uh, Ty Smith on waivers as well, one-time first-round draft pick who uh, has was uh, featured in the John Marino trade with Pittsburgh and New Jersey. Connected to the Canucks on a thousand different occasions in fan-created trades. Yeah, absolutely. He was Western hockey leader. always a Vancouver Canuck and yet never a <laughs> Vancouver Canuck. 
Uh, had a really good rookie season, yeah. too. Like, you know, made the NHL at a younger age and had a good rookie season. But alas... Uh, I mean, even his sophomore season was not that no, bad. No, exactly. Five goals and 20 points in 66 games. Mm-hmm. And it was, so a deeper, it was a deeper Penguins defense group there. But he was ventilated. I mean, they, the, the, the offense was there, but he was a dash 26 on an improving Devils team in 21-22. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's not going to be known for his offense... Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. his defense, pardon me. He's going to be a puck-moving, power-play yeah. kind of guy. I'm not saying this for the Canucks at all, but I would think somebody in the National Hockey oh, League think so. would want yeah. this player. I wonder about Rem Pitlick, too, because he's a serviceable fourth-liner who can play the middle, and it has a variable contract. So, anyways, Pittsburgh making some moves, and we just note that because, of course, Canucks management came from Pittsburgh, and you do wonder whether anyone there... And, of course, they would be attached to some of these guys, drafted them or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they, forward, forward there, John Gruden, not to be confused with Chucky. Anyways, I, I can't imagine they will because of the situation they're in with their roster and their cap, but, you know, who knows? They had traded away uh, John Marino for Ty Smith when Alvin and Rutherford were already here. No, Just, I know that. Yes, that was last year. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there won't be a... Uh... A link there, but no. they still might like the player. You never know. No, I'm talking about the other guys. Great. There's yeah. some Pittsburgh has a bunch of guys on waivers today. So, yeah, they jumped in five guys. There's only seven players on the waivers. Five of them with the pens. Congratulations to Jordan in Maple Ridge. You're the winner of our BC Lines contest this week. You got a pair of tickets to tomorrow's game, as well as a food and bev voucher and a gift card at the team store. As mentioned, Lions clinch a home playoff game with a win. If they lose, of course, they lose the tiebreaker to Saskatchewan. So you would still have to worry somewhat about having to go on the road in the West Division playoffs. Six lineup changes for BC. Dominic Rimes comes back at wide receiver. We had circled this game, and next week against Winnipeg is when they need Rimes, and sure enough, there he is. Bola Combo's back, too. The pride of Abbotsford, and that's... Terrific news because at one point that injury looked like it could be a season ender, but Coach Campbell told us, no, not as bad as we thought. And here he is on the comeback trail a few weeks later. Two receivers, Alexander Hollins, Keon Hatcher, both within striking distance of a thousand for the season. And then there's Metchia Betts coming off a huge game in Edmonton. 14 sacks on the season. He leads the CFL. He is three off the Canadian record held by legendary BC line Brent Johnson. And BC coming off seven sacks and 11 negative yardage plays last week against Edmonton against the Saskatchewan team that's got some injuries at running back and hasn't been very stout up front. So a lot of things pointing BC's way tomorrow, including the defense coming off a sensational performance against Edmonton, and let's face it, the defense has been damn good for most of the year. Let's get to the white ca- Whitecaps because, Blake, and I hate to trot out the phrase, but Whitecaps going to Whitecap. And we saw that last night in a big spot. Yeah, I mean, it was a should win. It wasn't a mathematical must win. There is sixth place in the conference right now. Still two points back of of second, but it was right there for the take, and pardon me, they're four points back a second. Now, they would have been two points with a win. Um, it was right there for the taking. They had a marvelous start. First 25 minutes was great. Problem is, is they were only leading one nothing after that marvelous start, and that's one mistake away from being a tie, which it was at halftime, 
They started the second half uh, so terribly. Um, Colorado saw the problems that they had, and so they made halftime changes, and they came out like a different team. And you credit them for making the tactical adjustments. Ryan Gall leaves after six minutes of the second half with the injury that he sustained in the first half. How serious? It doesn't sound like it's serious. It's just going to be a pain management issue. But they've got the short week. This is the time of year where you take the needle and you get out there. Yeah, I mean, he'll be a guy that will do that, certainly. Uh, winnable game coming up with against D.C. United. They're four games below five hundred, But, again, this was a winnable game here versus Colorado, and they couldn't pull it I off. I have yet to meet the Scotsman who isn't tougher than a rusty can of nails. Exactly. Vanny was some upset with you and Colin Miller on the radio uh, post-match interview. Yeah, he said it was the worst outing he can remember. Like, it was, he was not pleased at all. And that was he, – he said – we spit on this point. <laughs> he said, we take this point forward. He said, we take this point forward, we put it into Saturday, and if we win, we get four points. That yeah. was his way of reimagining what has happened. He's going to count it a loss. He's going to kick the point ahead to Saturday. The point. Yeah. Very old school Italy there, yeah. Benny. Yeah, he wasn't, wasn't terribly happy. Uh, we mentioned it was part of a doubleheader last night in MLS. Dallas winds up tying Philadelphia. Would have liked Philadelphia at home. It's a very good Eastern Conference side to win that match. A last note, Dallas makes a, a gets a result out of it. So they're two points back of Vancouver. And, of course, could leapfrog the Caps with a win and a Vancouver loss. Vancouver's sixth place right now with a game in hand on seventh place Portland and eighth place San Jose. So that's the good news. They're finally... Welcome back to BC Place, Vancouver Whitecaps. Home on home here Saturday against DC United. It's a seven thirty kickoff, and the rosy scenario is that with a win, and this is the final game against an Eastern Conference team all year. With a win, they could get up into a tie for third if Seattle loses in Nashville. And you are huge Nashville fans this weekend if you're a Caps supporter. Yeah. If Dallas beats Houston. And if Salt Lake City falls to LAFC, and that's a Sunday But match. you don't want that happening because Salt Lake City would jump into second place then. No, if Salt Lake City loses to LAFC on Sunday. So, yeah, they, but then LAFC stays in second place. Yeah, there's no, there's no route to second. I'm not sure there's a... There's, you still have LAFC, so there is a route to oh, second. by the end of the, by the, by end the, end the year. Of the year but yeah, there's yeah. no route to second this weekend. No, no. And, and quite frankly... You know, at this stage of the game, if St. Louis and LAFC want to go run away in first and second, that's fine because the Caps are still targeting the home field advantage in round one, which you get by finishing third or fourth. Yeah, I think the, that's the derby. Right I think now, you're Blake. cheering on LAFC to beat Salt Lake. Yes, keep, you absolutely keep, are. Keep Salt you Lake absolutely down. are. I think Houston has a tough assignment this. They week. have Dallas. They have Dallas. Yeah, they have yeah. Dallas. So at least Dallas will bring their A game for their cross state rivals, and then. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle, you've got head to head before the season's over as well. So yeah, you got to take care of business, win the three points versus DC United, and then deal with the rest yep. of the. Jays lose, M's lose, Rangers win. Seattle is now one and a half out of the wild card, and that was a tough loss to Houston last night. And it is marked by a bizarre benches clearing incident in the sixth inning. Did you see this? Astros reliever Hector Neris strikes out Julio Rodriguez, and he was pretty pumped up about the strikeout. So much so that he comes off the mound and starts menacingly walking at Rodriguez as he's walking back to his dugout, shouting something out at him. 
Anyways, bench is clear. No punches thrown or anything like that. But the tensions and the emotion were high. Now, no tiebreaker game anymore in Major League Baseball. 100 years they've been doing that, but not anymore. Seattle wins tiebreakers against Houston and Toronto. They do not win a head-to-head tiebreaker against Texas, and they got the Rangers in for a four-pack starting tonight. But bizarrely, Blake, if the Mariners sweep the Rangers and the Astros win two, but only two, of their games against the Arizona Diamondbacks, it creates a three-team tiebreaker scenario whereby the Mariners are crowned AL West champions. If it's a head-to-head with Houston, they win it. If it's a three-way tie, they win it. But they don't win any against the Rangers. And, of course, they have to win all four to make this tiebreaker. This so three-way tiebreaker. The, the sweep versus the Rangers is just to get the wins. It's just to pile up the win, not for the season series purpose, because they can't win that season series. I That's guess not. Yeah, It's Montgomery versus Gilbert tonight. Very good pitching matchup. It's Eovaldi and Wu tomorrow again. It's Castillo against an undetermined starter for Texas on Saturday. And right now, it's John Gray versus George Kirby on Sunday. But if that game is meaningless for Texas, you wonder how they're going to line it up. Jays looking to avoid the sweep against the Yankees. They've got Chris Bassett going today. So, I mean, if the Jays they got a big swept, starting pitch. Oh, wow. What does it say about the intestinal fortitude of this team? Come on. Toronto finishes with Tampa at home. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by AG1. Go to drinkag1.com to see what a foundational nutritional supplement can do for you. Give you more energy like it's given me. Just makes you give you that that awareness that you're, you've done something healthy for your body in the day. Go to drinkag1.com slash Sakaris and Price and you'll get a special offer right now. Big show coming up. Corey Schneider, former Vancouver Canucks goaltender. He has announced his retirement. Fantastic conversation, as they all are with Corey Schneider. Truly one of my favorite guys to speak to in my time here covering the Canucks. Smiley, he's been he's been through the ringer a little bit with media requests and just mm-hmm. a smiling face, full answers, you know. Yep. He's a pro. We ask him why now, what are the plans, any regrets, his relationship with Lou. We ask him, should Louie's number be retired? You're going to want to hear this. And we talked about just being a great teammate. As Frank Corrado told us about Corey Schneider yesterday, He was there with encouragement before his first NHL game, and he got him the game puck after his first NHL game. So some really, um, I thought, progressive comments, too. He talked about when he first came up, what culture was like in NHL dressing rooms and how sometimes it made him feel uncomfortable or scared or intimidated. And he didn't want to be that guy. He didn't want to bring that culture forward. He wanted to be accessible. He didn't want to surround himself with any kind of negativity. Uh, you know, it was a people into the person that is Corey Schneider. And as good a goaltender as he was, he's a better person. Yeah. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, vintage NHL logos ranked, and Toronto butthurt after losing out on yet another NBA star. Rob Williams will join. Rob takes on the Luongo-McLean debate. He's also wondering about too much experimentation with this Canucks lineup and comments on Elias Pettersson in the face-off dot last night. We'll get to the golf reports ahead of the Ryder Cup in Rome, Italy. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, 
I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Cole McWard played with Quinn Hughes Wednesday in Edmonton, just as he aligned with the Canucks captain on the first day of training camp. Now, a college free agent, a rookie, has almost no chance of being on the team's top defensive pair come the regular season. So what the heck are Rick Talkin and Adam Foote doing here? The answer may be just this simple. Quinn and company. Outside of Philip Roenick, the Canucks don't have a a top pair worthy right-handed defenseman on the roster. And it's now clear that they don't want to play Roenick with Quinn Hughes, wanting each of them to anchor their own pair, and rightfully so. Noah Jilson ain't that guy. Ditto Mick Ward. And we know Tyler Myers can't handle that smoke. It would seem like one of the two lefty free agents signed this summer, either Ian Cole or Carson Soucy, is going to get a good deal of run with Hughes on their offside. And extrapolating from there, it is likely that many Canucks defensemen will find themselves alongside Hughes as this year goes forward. Hughes is still so far and away the Canucks' best defenseman that this season may well not deliver him that every-night partner that he ultimately needs. Could be that his future playing partner is currently toiling for the Boston University Terriers. And we'll see when, or if, Tom Wheelander is ready for that assignment, possibly as soon as late this season, or even next. Until then... Could very well be Quinn and committee. And that says something about the Canucks building project. Not done yet. That's welcome at for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at securesomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter. I'm at Securus at Price. And the welcome at a presentation of Great Clips. The official hair salon of the NHL. 37 salons in Vancouver and the Lower, and the lower Mainland. Download the app today. Find a salon near you. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits and the Penticton V season well underway. Means it's time to visit the Neighborhood Watch. It's a vendor experience at the South Okanagan Event Center. Enjoy your favorite neighborhood beers while attending any event or a Penticton V's game. And Blake and I have been there several times. Fantastic vantage point. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a yellow dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. Secure some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Final days of September. Remember, 30 days has September. April, June, and November. You know the rhyme means you're running out of days to celebrate the 25th anniversary at the Applewood Auto Group. Don't let it pass you by. Merely taking a car for a test drive gets you a chance to win $25,000. Picking up the car of your dreams gets you a free maintenance package worth almost $2,500. So whatever brand you're into, 
Check it all out at the Applewood Auto Group. It is all good at Applewood. But our poll question today asking you, would retiring Roberto Luongo's number one be unfair to the other number one, Kirk McLean? Yes or no? Vote at Sikarison Price on Twitter. Vote on your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Victor Hovland aces a drivable par four at the Ryder Cup today in a practice round. I'm betting the hole-in-one prop. You got three drivable par fours and the par threes. It's plus 400 on your Bodog line of the day. Our next guest played 424 NHL games, including 108 of them with the Vancouver Canucks. He's part of the best goaltending duo in the history of the franchise, winning the Williams Jennings Trophy in 2011 with Roberto Luongo. It is our pleasure to welcome back to Sakarison Price in retirement, Mr. Corey Schneider. Corey, how you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to see you again. You're you're more than welcome. We uh, we were joking. What kind of a guy is Corey Schneider? In the minutes after he announces his retirement, he is accepting and agreeing to Vancouver media requests. So thank you for always being available to us, sir. You got it. And it was funny because I most of my requests are from Vancouver, to be honest. <laughs> so I'm not sure if Jersey media is that interested in me anymore. They got a good team to cover. So uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of Vancouver stuff, which is great because uh, I had such a great experience there. And so many good memories, but it doesn't feel like it's been so much time has elapsed between having played there and, and now. So it's kind of wild. Is it strange to you how uh, how much of an indelible mark you left on this market, considering, yeah. again, the sort of the spotlight was shared with Roberto for much of it. And yet, you know, people absolutely uh, for only a quarter of your career, people hold you dearly here, I think. <laughs> yeah, I've always kind of said that half jokingly that my Q rating is a lot higher in Vancouver than it ever was in New Jersey or obviously Long Island. But uh you know, I think markets like Vancouver, they're, they're so incredible and amazing, but it reminds me a lot of like a Boston sports market where it's very intense. And I think sometimes uh, guys have shelf lives or eventually it just, you, what's the quote, you uh, you stay long enough to become the villain. And I think fortunately I got out in time where I never actually became the bad guy. So I was always the <laughs> good right. guy, the backup goalie, the guy who might take over and, oh, we could have done this. So I feel like uh, I left on good terms, which isn't always the case in, in a market like Vancouver where they, they're so intense and scrutinizing. And the Corey Schneider trade tree endures here with Atu Ratu and Anthony Bovillia, your former teammate uh, <laughs> on the island. Uh, Corey, why now? 37 years old. Why uh, Why are you calling it a career now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty logical, uh, in, at least in my mind. Um, you know, after getting bought out by New Jersey and, and my career was kind of stalling out a little bit and COVID happened and I, I got to tag on with, with the Islanders, but, um, you know, it was one of you know, a handful of teams, I think two teams that year that didn't use three goalies. They just kept the two, uh, you know, Sorokin and Varley stayed healthy either with COVID or, or physically, which is great because, uh, you know, they're such good goalies that, that that's a good thing. Um, but, you know, kind of thought I might get a chance to play that year, didn't, and then uh, just stuck with it. You know, I think after that year, having practiced and being with an NHL team all year again, it just, my game felt like it was in a good spot. I felt healthy as I had in a long time, physically and mentally. And, um, I just wasn't ready to, to walk away yet. And I talked to some guys who had some friends and teammates who'd, who'd recently retired. And they all just said, you know, if, if you feel like you can still play at a high level and, you know, don't walk away too soon because you'll, you'll probably regret it and wonder what if. So um, the Islanders were a great spot for me in terms of, you know, them knowing who I am with uh, the Lamarillos and, and familiarity there. So, um, you know, it just made sense to come back and, and try. And, you know, fortunately, I got a game in that, the you know, the season before this one, um, you know, and didn't get more. I was hoping to maybe get some more games or opportunities, but didn't. And, um, you know, I just felt like I could still play. So, um, you know, I, I wrote it out as long as I could and, and I enjoyed my time even in the American League. But, you know, some call ups with the Islanders was great and it keeps you going a little bit. But I felt, you know, at this point, the body was kind of, you know, 37 is a little bit harder than 35. And, um, 
you know, just the, I didn't want to do the American League again. And, and I figured the NHL was a bit of a long shot, obviously. So, uh, you know, I think I pushed it as far as I could and reasonably so. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy with how, you know, I played even in the American League. I felt like I still played pretty well and, um, you know, could have could have hopefully played well in the NHL. We'll never know. But I understood that risk coming into it. So there's no no hard feelings, no regrets. And I think it's just it was, it was time. I've done everything I could and played as much as I could play. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, I'm sure you would have rather it have been in the National Hockey League, but I mean, you walk away, your numbers in the last two years were very good. And sometimes it's harder to have good numbers in the American League because the depth isn't there that you get at the NHL level. But those are good numbers. Yeah, like I said, it was it was definitely a different environment experience than what I was used to for the previous 10 or so years. You're right. It's a different game down there, but it's still a good game. There's still good players or guys who can shoot the puck and make plays. And yeah, it's a little more of a learning league and, and uh, helps your skelter defensively. So it, it kind of puts the goalie in the spot a bit. So, um, but yeah, I, I was proud of how I played and, you know, I, I never got upset or bitter when I saw other guys around the league getting opportunities or getting called up, you know, I understood where I was at and, um, you know, so I, I was fully aware of that. And again, like I said, it would have been great to have gotten a chance to, to prove that I could play, but again, who knows, you know, I could have come to this point anyways and played 20 games last year and there still may not have been any offers. So um, I'm at peace with it. How's the health? Are you, are you able to go for a uh, jog? How the hips? Everything? I mean, are you going to be able to enjoy retirement like you dreamed it? I should be able to, yeah. As much as I hate yeah. jogging, um, I can do it. So <laughs> I, I might be forced into doing it now. You know, I got to replace burning three thousand calories every day at work. So that's that's the challenge. But uh, yeah, overall, all things considered, from where I was at and some of the surgeries I've had, um, the body does feel pretty good, other than just old man aches and pains, which, you know, you guys might know more about than I do at this point, but mm-hmm. yes, um, sir. always put some miles on their body. So it's not a, not an easy position, but uh, I think overall, you know, I'm trying to stay on top of things and, and, you know, not let things catch up to me or nag me and just, you know, be proactive, but again, something you can't avoid. So all things considered, I'm doing pretty well. You have plans here in retirement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone's got plans, I guess, but uh, you know, right now I'm, I'm not too sure. Like I said, I'm just really taking my time. I'm just enjoying um, not having to jump right into the grind right now. Kids are back in school and they're getting, they're almost six and eight, both of them. So uh, they're getting to that age where they get busy with activities and events. And it's, it's fun to be around to help with that. And, um, you know, they've sacrificed a lot with me being gone and having weekends taken up and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a new experience for us to kind of not be on a schedule necessarily. So, you know, I've got some irons in the fire. Yeah, I'm just trying to stay proactive, stay relevant in the game. If I want to go that route by doing some TV, maybe some, uh, media stuff and then uh, just explore other avenues that I never knew I might be interested in, like business or um, management or something like that. So, you know, I'm just kind of taking it as it comes and um, just trying to be proactive as I can without, you know, forcing myself into something that I don't want to do right away. Because again, it's 16 years of a fast paced, busy schedule, you know, for me and my family has been a lot. So I just want to take a step back and um, not necessarily jump right into that that kind of routine yet. We did a long form interview with you in April of 2000, uh, 2022. And we said, gosh, Corey, you know, you were a number one draft pick. You had to wait so long to get your turn here in Vancouver with Roberto here. You get the goal in that Chicago series in 2011 and sadly a cramp. And then you're off to Jersey where sadly now some injuries come about. And and you said to us, hey, guys, don't anybody feel sorry for me. I have no regrets. I got 400 NHL games in and I loved every minute. Do you still feel that way? Absolutely. I mean, I think to play the what if game or to look back and regret or, or rue things, um, you know, it, it doesn't, it's a waste of energy. It's just, it's not worth your time. You know, I, I put everything I had into it and sometimes it works out. Sometimes it goes the other way. You know, sometimes you can't, there's certain things you can't control. And um, so, you know, I think you just have to be proud of the effort you put in, the how much it meant to you, how much you cared, 
And, uh, you know, even just having it go public now, because, you know, I, I knew a while ago that I, I wasn't going to play and I think only close people knew. So it was funny that it actually went public the other day because I've, you know, I've known for a while. But um, just the amount of messages that, you know, former teammates and people have sent just, you know, hey, I appreciated playing with you. It was a great, you know, as a teammate, that means almost as much to me as anything on the ice that happened. Um, you know, my wife and I, we took a lot of time and pride into, you know, bringing people together and having events and getting to know everyone and making everyone feel welcome. So, um, you know, that was as important to me as, as what happened on the ice to try to build that, that chemistry and, and relationship. So um, it's a nice feeling to have people recognize that. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know how else it could have gone, but the, that's the way it went. And I'm still proud of it. And I'm still happy with uh, the career I had, because again, not a lot of guys play 16 years of pro with a lot of it being in the NHL. So I'm, I'm more looking at it that way. And Again, I, I've, I've done pretty well financially, and that's, you know, a lot of people won't feel bad for me, which they shouldn't. So I got paid a lot of money to play a game, and um, I think at the end of the day, you look at it like that, and you say, man, that was quite a ride. How many text messages? How many well wishes, Corey? I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, again, it's, it's funny just because, like I said, I, I think my family and friends, and, you know, I let the Islanders know and some other people close to me just that, you know, I was probably odds are I wasn't going to play again, so um they've known for a while but uh yeah i was i was surprised again i guess i i guess i just wasn't expecting because i didn't make like a formal announcement I, I sort of did an interview with my hometown newspaper last week and um should have realized probably more what was going to happen but um you know because i didn't formally put it out there on instagram or twitter or announce it i was kind of like oh yeah i forgot that this is part of the process <laughs> and that people will find out and uh be reaching out so it was great like i said uh you know former teammates coaches staffers uh, media people um, so it's great to know that those relationships you forged over the years that uh, they, that they, they kind of well wished you and, and uh, were happy to have played with you and met you. So that's always a good feeling. We're not going to let you do this without walking down memory lane just a little bit. And yesterday we went down the rabbit hole a little bit on uh, on game eight back mm. in Boston the year yeah. after. And you got the start in that one. And it's much like uh, we said off the top, but you know, you've only you've only got over just over 100 games as a Canuck, but uh, you've left such a mark. You know, that was just a regular season game in the middle of January, non-conference game, and yet uh, people remember game eight. Do you remember the the energy around that game? Was it was it as big in your minds, uh, even if it shouldn't have been? Was it as, was it pretty big in your minds, considering it was just a regular season game? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what other guys have said or will tell you, but I, I think at least for us and the Bruins, I think it was it was uh, it was a big game, and you could tell by the first period when it was basically line brawl after line brawl that um, nobody really had forgotten <laughs> what happened here before. And you know, we knew we weren't gonna we weren't gonna win the cup back by winning that game. We understood that, but I think you know we weren't happy or proud of how we showed in Boston during the final series. How we you know you could say we got pushed around a little bit or just you know there were some pretty big blowouts there. So I think we were pretty unhappy with the narrative that had sort of formed about. Uh, our team being soft or unable to play in Boston. So I think it was, it was a point of pride for us to come out and show them that we weren't going to back down and that we could play there again. It wasn't, I wish we could have done it back in June of 2011 instead of January of, of 2012. But um, I think it did mean something to us in the room. And for me personally, you know, I, I never expected to play that game. You know, we had a day off. I think we had time. So it wasn't like it was a back to back and it was such a big game. I think for the organization that I just figured Roberto would play it. Um, so, you know, when I got the call being in Boston again and, you know, that whole thing, it, it was uh, it was a big moment for me. And I think it was a bit of a test for them to see how I could handle it and see if I could, you know, play in those situations and maybe be the guy going forward in case they did decide to move on for Roberto. So I think it was, you know, more than just a game in that sense. But, um, you know, I think you, we noticed, too, though, like after that game, it's almost like we put so much into it that, you know, we still won the President's Trophy that year. But we sort of, you know, we didn't play as well down the stretch, I think, as we normally did. 
Um, and we, we were still able to find a way to win and get points because, you know, we were that good of a team. But I think it took a lot of, out of us emotionally and energy-wise for a midseason game. And, and as you can see, that's probably why, you know, teams can't play at that level for 82 games. People sort of say, right. well, why do they turn up in the playoffs? Because it takes a lot out of you. So it's, it's hard to do. So, um, you know, it was a, it was a big game. And, and, you know, again, it didn't win us anything. But I think we all took it pretty seriously and it meant something to us. Did I see you call it your most memorable game or the highlight of your career? Uh, that one? one of them, yeah. I mean, again, unfortunately, I didn't get to play in too many in New Jersey. Uh, there's a couple playoff series there. And, um, you know, starting game, I think six in Chicago was, was a cool moment. and just didn't end the way I'd like it to. So this one probably the combination of a, a good ending plus a big moment plus, you know, just a just something I just didn't expect. So I think it was a, it was a pretty big deal. And I remember it was a funny story from that. I don't know if that's been told, but I was, I was starting to cramp up again a little bit in the third, you know, I was, I think just the emotion, the energy of it, like kind of gets to you more than the physical part. So I was getting it tight a little bit and I sort of came to the bench in the third and it was three, three or something. And told the trainers like, Hey, do you got some Tums or something to help me? Cause I'm just starting to lock up a little bit. And I remember Roberto just looked at me. He's like, you're not coming out of this effing game. You finished this thing. So <laughs> I think it would have happened in Chicago the year before. He's like, you're not doing this to me again. You SOB get back in there. And I was like, I think he gave me all the motivation I needed to go in there and finish that game. So I felt, I felt a lot better after that. Yeah, well, good. speaking of Roberto, they announced yesterday his ring of honor night is going to be in December here. <laughs> When the Panthers come through town, raging debate in this market, Corey, should his number have been retired or is uh-huh. ring of honor an appropriate honor for your ex teammate? Yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, I, I'm the biggest Roberto supporter in the world. I, I can't speak highly enough of him. So I've obviously would think that, you know, for me, it, it, I think his number should be retired. Uh, I understand the debate though. You know, he wasn't here as long, um, you know, as maybe some other guys who, who do have their numbers retired, but I, I think, um, the peak he played at for as long as he played it here, you know, he, I think what was he there for eight years, seven years? Am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but, yeah. He, he I, lead, it, leads and wins. He's got all the records. So he, he played long enough is, is the answer. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I kind of compare it to a guy like, uh, you know, Pavel Bure, who may not have been there forever, but his peak was like the absolute peak. And, you know, not many guys come through organizations like that. And I think, you know, um, Bure, you know, Stan Smeal, obviously, Linden, and then the Twins now. So I always would hold Roberto in that echelon of player that came to the organization that, you know, wasn't like he had three good years and four bad years. It was he had seven or eight really good years there. And, and I think, you know, obviously Kirk McLean's in the mix, but I think Roberto's probably the best goal that's ever played there. So uh, in my mind, you know, if not him, then who? But <laughs> uh, I understand I understand the debate of, you know, well, maybe it wasn't quite a long enough run here to consider him a, a retired number. But, you know, I would if it was up to me. We always knew this would be the case, Blake, but he'll make a fine transition to media with sizzling hot takes. Like totally, that. yes, yes. Um, Corey, I like we, to uh, you gotta have an opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we have uh, your ex-teammate Frank Corrado on uh, weekly here, and we asked him yesterday, "What are your memories of Corey Schneider?" And he said, "My first NHL game against Chicago, and of course, this is when the Hawks and Canucks were still pretty thick yeah. rivalry." He said Corey was the starter that night. He gave me encouragement before the game, and then he made sure to get me the game puck after the game. You were universally beloved as a teammate. What did it mean to you to be a good teammate, and how did you go about being a good teammate? Because I'm not sure I've met a single guy that you played with who would say a contrary word about you as a teammate. Well, that's good to know. Um, yeah, it's uh... – I don't know. I think it's part of my demeanor. I've always been uh, pretty accommodating and welcoming, and um, I've never tried to exclude anybody from anything. And, and I think negativity is just not really in my nature. And, um, you know, I remember coming in the league. It was still sort of a, you know, a transition in the late 2000s there of like the old guard and, 
you know, you get hazed or heckled or guys would just give you a lot of crap about stuff that it was just part of it. They got crap. So you got crap and sort of rolled downhill. And that's back when that was more acceptable. And, you know, I never thought it crossed the line, but there were times where I was a little nervous or felt, you know, like intimidated or scared or like, oh, crap, like I don't want to talk to this guy. or I don't want to screw up because he's going to get pissed at me. So I remember feeling that way as a young guy. So I think uh, every time a young guy came through, like, you know how nerve wracking it is. You know how much pressure you put on yourself. And you don't want to screw up for everybody else. So I always just try to go out of my way to say, hey, especially defensemen because they're my boys you know i can't the forwards and the wingers can they can do whatever but um when i'm working with the d-man in my end you know i want to make sure he feels good about it and that you know i trust him and that we're on the same page communication wise so i just you know with frankie you know he reminded me a little bit of chris tan i was kind of like scrawny looking guy but he was a real talented player so i just wanted to make sure that um he knew we had his back and hey you don't have to be perfect out there just play your game and you know hopefully i'll be there to cover up any mistakes you make and just enjoy it. So um, I'm glad you remembered that because, you know, I always try to do that with, with young guys. Once I got a little bit older and understood the pressures of playing in a place like Vancouver, it's not easy, especially your first few times out. So anything you can do to make somebody feel less nervous, I thought, helped not only them, but also me, you know, indirectly as a goalie. <laughs> if you're not panicking with the puck, then it probably means a good thing for me. Well, and the addendum to that story, Corey, is that Roly Melanson saw the exchange and then he pulled Frank aside and told him, you've got one of the best goaltenders in the world playing tonight, kid. Don't worry about it. Go yeah. out there and play your game. That's good to know. Glad they had that confidence in me. So Bef- Before we let you go, uh, we thought we should maybe point out um, yesterday that Cole Iserman joined Boston University. Uh, they've already got Macklin Celebrini. What's BC going to do here? Uh, this is uh, this is going to make for a tough bean pot. They've got the Canucks first rounder, Tom Wielander. BC got a chance here. We well, have to update me on who those kids are because I'm uh, I'm a little I'm so old. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who these kids are. The, the, so, so the Corey Pro, the Corey Schneider big board of NHL draft prospects not, won't it's be not ready anytime soon. Not ready so Celebrini, Celebrini and Eisman will be top three picks in, okay. in the draft. So well, it, you know, it, it, I know. Yeah, I've tried to stay in. You know, I've tried to stay updated on BC at least. And my uh, my yeah. old coach Greg Brown's now the head coach, which is great because he's an awesome guy. So I've followed that a little bit. I, I know they have a pretty good group coming in this year. I think they had a trio of first rounders that all committed to BC this year. So, you know, BU's you know BU's BU. I respect them, but uh, you know, they're sometimes a little more flash than substance. So you know, they got the big names, they got the flash, but you know, I think BC's got a little more substance to them, a little more chemistry and grit. So I like uh, I like BC's overall talent versus the high end talent of BU. We'll, so we'll give BC's you. A- We'll give you a few months to polish up on the uh, rosters of BC and BU. We'll uh, we'll get to you just before the bean pot. With, uh, I have a hard enough time keeping up with the NHL, let alone NCAA. So I got to. Corey, you've uh, forever made us uh, laugh and smile, and we so enjoyed the association with you here in Vancouver. We wish you and yours all the best in retirement. Thanks for this. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Maybe we'll cross paths again, or I'll be out there more often because I'd love to get back out to the city. Uh, we'd Please love to do. see you. We'd love to see you. All right. Thanks, guys. Harrison Price from Wall Center, presentation Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags the best and worst of Twitter.com. Brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason Don Mortgage. If you have a great rate on your mortgage but still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution where you keep your great rate and access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. If your mortgage is up in the next six months, now's the time to reach out. Find them at Jason.Mortgage. Never has... The word mortgage been on people's lips no, more than true. right it's now. Absolutely true. At Umish Hockey, introducing this season's leadership group. Center 
and captain, or sorry, captain, not center, captain, mm. Jacob Truscott. Ah, very good. Canucks prospect. So, you know, he's... Senior he, year, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's not on the tip of many people's list, uh, lips when it comes to Canuck prospects, nope. but... I don't think he should be necessarily written off. I think all defense prospects need to be looked at seriously. Yep. And, uh, you know, he's a stay-at-home guy. There's room in the NHL for those guys, too. Yes. Uh, His numbers are steady. Last year was his best year points per game-wise. He was 16 points in 23 games, but I wouldn't expect that to necessarily extrapolate um, over a full season this year. But the fact that he's been given the captaincy uh, speaks to him still being a a factor here in the Canucks pipeline. Blake, here's the other thing. He's a young senior. He'll play his entire senior year at age 21. It's a huge point because normally you're thinking, oh, he's a senior. He's 23, he's maybe 24. No. No. If the Canucks, you know, look to sign him after he's done there at Michigan, I mean, he still won't even be 22. Yeah. So... No, he he's he's and he's had some international experience too, right? He's played yeah. for a World Junior team and U eighteen, U seventeen there. So something to consider. No, he he's got a chance. You wish he was a right shot guy. Maybe you wish he was a little bit better, but uh, or bigger. But mm-hmm. uh, no, he absolutely has a chance. At Glass City FC, you were remarking about this to me yesterday. Junior's purchase option for Diber Caicedo has reportedly been set at $2.5 million. He scored four goals and has an assist so far in 10 games he's played. And the feeling around the Colombian club is that they're going to look to keep him. That is a windfall for the Caps for a player who is, what, middling? Very fast. But Great that's, pace. That's he, all I can he, say. He would stand out from time to time with pace. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Kakuta Mane and Eric Hurtado and Remember when they had uh, Darren Maddox, when they had those absolute track stars who weren't the best soccer players. The touch was often clunky, but boy, could they run. Uh, That would be marvelous. That's a bunch of money that can be thrown at a DP this coming off season. And I would, despite some of the travails, I would trust that Axel Schuster could put that money to good use for next year. At ESPN Stats Info, according to Elias Sports... Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo will become the second teammates in the NBA history to play together after each tallying 30 points per game in the prior season. Mm. The other duo, I don't think you'll get it, Jerry West and Elgin yeah. Baylor, well, who averaged 30 on the same team. They did it together yeah. on the Lakers. I would have guessed Robertson and, and uh, Kareem uh, in Milwaukee, but yes, very uh, been quite a while, although... Early 60s. Last year, I had high hopes for the Atlanta Hawks because DeJounte Murray and Trey Young had a similar stat about them. Like, they were the first two guys to average 20-some points and some, I forget it was eight assists or something Mm -hmm. like that, to be on the same team, and yet it didn't really help out. Speaking of the NBA, oh, Blake, the narrative has emerged in the wake of the Damian Lillard trade to Milwaukee. Who is more butthurt? Toronto or Miami at Tim underscore McAuliffe. It's amazing the Bucks have been able to pull off what the Raptors hoped to do. Find the superstar, keep the superstar long enough to be able to surround him. Not sure if this officially keeps Giannis, who had been making noise, but you have to think they're good. Yeah. Giannis now may stay 
and he could, he can opt out after the season because of the presence of Lillard. So this could be a brilliant trade for Milwaukee in terms of its ability to keep Giannis beyond yes. this year. And, of course, they already have an NBA championship. Um, as at Canucks fan for life, two tweets, Raptors fans were right about Giannis and Dame linking up, but not in Toronto. And then there's Miami, the Heat, who instantaneously fell from 6-1 to one to win the NBA title to 25-1 to one yesterday upon news of Damian Lillard not being traded to South Florida and being traded to an Eastern Conference contender. And Jimmy Butler goes on Instagram and says to the NBA, you need to look into the Bucks for tampering. He said, I'm not going to tell you who told me, but the NBA needs to look into Milwaukee for tampering with Dame Lillard. Tampering? How else do you consummate a trade other than calling the team? I don't know, Blake. And further details have emerged on how Milwaukee did this, and it's brilliant stuff from their front office. They did not show any interest in Lillard all summer long, Blake. And they did so because they didn't want others to get wind of their interest. They knew that Portland would have a smaller market than they hoped. They knew that a third team would have to be involved. And so they struck when they felt the time was right as we were getting closer to this training camp. And we talked earlier in the week about how Portland had set its first day media availability. And then on Sunday, they not only engaged Portland, they engaged Phoenix as the third team broker, and they had it come together in 72 hours. I mean, that Did is... not show their hand to Miami, Toronto, or any of the other Eastern teams that may have had interest and were pursuing That's some James Bond shit right there. It really there. is. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. How about? Lastly, for me, and you brought us a story, I forget, it was last week or two weeks ago, a Fresh hockey ranking of current NHL logos. Yes, well, they have followed up with the vintage, retro one. Yeah, I saw that. Vintage logos. Yeah. So who are the top three? Mm. Grady, did you see this? Well, it was the Yotes. No, no, no. no, no. This is the vintage retro. logos. Oh. Uh, Whalers. Hartford Whalers were second. I don't know how they weren't first. That is still one of the most gorgeous logos in the history. Did the Nordiques the, get onto the podium? The Nordiques did not get onto the podium. Retro, mm-hmm. I mean, in a, is it of current teams or no? Obviously not. They, all three teams are yes. Although one, one, one has changed their name. Very good, Grady. Mighty Ducks of Anaheim was first. The uh, goalie mask as duck, mm, yeah. which I was disappointed that beat the Whalers out. Winnipeg Jets, and then number three is interesting because it was not their original logo. They moved to this logo, and they moved to an entirely different color scheme, the which Stars. they have since abandoned, and yet still this logo made the podium. Oh, North Stars? Buffalo no. with the Very big good. saber. Oh. The big, bushy buffalo. It's terrible. Remember the black and, what was it, purple or 
pink or whatever. You think the black and red is terrible? It's terrible. No. Terrible. People hated the banana slug. Banana slug was terrible. This is not banana slug. No, the OG, the one they use now, is the right one. It's the best one. Yes. But it's the black and reddish. And the one they use now is the retro one. The cake is terrible. The snorting one. This is very much a millennial thing. Why do you have an affinity for the buffalo head? It just pops. The colors look good. I think of the Hashik era, him in the the black, yeah. the gray, the oh white Bauer reactor pads. Yep. Come on. Just, just okay. terrible. You it's can... almost like it's a subjective thing here. Did you see the, uh, <laughs> did you see the, no, this one is objective. Do you see Minnesota Wild are, uh, I can't believe the North Stars weren't there. I love The them. Wild brought back the North Star colors. The subway, yeah, I love Subway it. colors. But to I love me, it. those colors don't work with their existing logo. Oh, I think it works. They work with the old N. And that's a beautiful shade of green that the North Stars used to used to wear. It's the only other jersey I had in my closet besides was a Jets North jersey Star? was a North Star really? jersey, yeah. Broughton? It wasn't named. It was, okay. it was blank. I don't know how it got there, but I had it. True, true Jets fan you were, eh? Yeah. It, it, was, it was just spare. It was mm. around. Yeah. Or, or, Grady, are you a... Uh, one jersey and one jersey. Well, only. I once bought a Calgary Flames jersey as a kid just so I could get cars in the streets to ride over it during the, uh, was it 2004 playoff series? Ah, okay. Yeah. Boy, but, that's an expensive prop for a kid. There was a sale at Sportcheck or something. Gotcha. That's hashtags for today. now by the national sports editor of the daily hive and their offside sports vertical you know him as rob the hockey guy on twitter rob williams back here with secure surprise rob how are how are we doing today doing great guys buzzing after last night's game they scored we saw a goal uh preseason goal first preseason mm-hmm. goal of the year maybe we'll see an even strength Big. goal next game Pre- yeah. preseason single points huge huge Those are valuable points um, more on the game here in a second but first rob the uh, Roberto Luongo Kirk McLean debate has raged again this week, and probably for the penultimate time, I would think that once Roberto is honored in the Ring of Honor in December, when the Panthers come through town, that'll probably lay it to rest. Um, but even John Shorthouse, as you note, mentioned it on the uh, broadcast. So we're asking on our bol- on our Bodog poll question today: If the Canucks had retired Roberto N- Luongo's number one. Would that be unfair to Kirk McLean? Absolutely not. I, I, I'm like blown away that like, why is Kirk McLean, why are, why is his name getting brought up? Like that fact alone just sort of baffles me. Cause then now, now we've got people online going, well, McLean didn't do this and he didn't do that. And then he actually wasn't that good. And, and, and this and that, and it's like, okay, we don't need, you know, I, I think it's unfortunate now that people are poking holes in you know a, a legend of the franchise, which Kirk McLean is absolutely, but I mean, come on, <laughs> like the, the, we're talking about Kirk McLean, who was a who had the you know great moments in '94. He was nominated for Vezinas, like he had an excellent Canucks career, but he was not Roberto Luongo. Like, let's not confuse this. Like, Roberto Luongo was one of the best goaltenders of his generation. You cannot say that about Kirk McLean. Luongo was regularly picked for Team Canada. I don't recall. Maybe McLean was early in his career for a world championship or something, but he was not in the conversation 
for Canada Cups and the, and the World Cup when, when it came after. Uh, like this is just a different level of of goaltender and of uh, and of a player, and like and then the other thing is that we McLean having his number retired that was never a consideration. Like the, that was never. It's not like we've been debating that for years here. Like he, he's in the Ring of Honor, and that's perfect. Like he's the perfect guy for a Ring of Honor because he was excellent on the ice and great in the community. So like I just don't just because he's shared the same number like it's not it's not a slap in the face well, to McLean if Luongo gets his number retired. So here's what I would here was I agree with you, but here's what I would say in rebuttal, and here's what I think others would say, and particularly some people at Rogers Arena. Uh, Kirk McLean, Kirk McLean made Vancouver his home after his playing career. He wasn't a career Canuck, but he came back and made Vancouver his home, even though he's a Toronto guy. He has been a club ambassador. He has been a valued member of the community. And those sorts of criteria are considered in these post-playing career honors. Look no further than Stan Smeal, who, of course, not only stayed and worked for the club, but has become, you know, uh, effectively the walking, talking institutional history. But in both cases, much of that is after the fact. Like, we we didn't know when Kirk's number was retired. No, but I, I think what that crowd would say is, Roberto chose to make the Florida Panthers his forever team. So like if, if, if let's say for argument's sake, let's say Luongo had not worn one and he wore 31 Would that, would that mm-hmm. group be saying, okay, yeah, retire 31. Like, is that the difference here? It's possible. Yeah. I, it is yeah. possible. I, I think yeah. it's complete yeah. nonsense. I think that crowd just doesn't think that Luongo's number deserves to be retired. And that's a defensible argument, right? Like I, I get that argument. Uh, there are reasons to where you can say, okay, you, you know, the, the standard needs to be higher. It would be a new standard though. Like let's not kid ourselves with the guys that are already up in, in the rafters. It would be a new standard. Like the Canucks having a, a player in the in the Hockey Hall of Fame who had his best years in Vancouver and took them to new heights. Let's be honest, right? Like this was a, an outstanding goaltender, um, and to not put his number in the rafters that's a new standard for the Canucks because the previous standard that 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 would have put him up there. So um, yeah, that, that, I, I guess I just think it's a like the McLean part of the like I, I have time for the debate. The, the the McLean addition to the debate, I think, is just like I I like I lose my mind at that. That I just don't understand that part. You're quite right. It's a new standard because they have four hockey hall of famers. Three of them have retired numbers. One of them had his number retired after he was inducted or at least elected to the hockey hall of fame. So there's no question that the standard is different. There's no question the standard is shifting. And, and what I would say about all of that is. While it may not make sense to some, while it may not be symmetrical, clubs are allowed to celebrate their history as they see fit. And this is how the current governors of the Vancouver Canucks have seen fit. Well, of course, they make the final say, but you you also hope... You don't have... You don't have to be a slave to consistency here, much as many would like consistency. Well, no, that's exactly it. But I mean, the Montreal Canadiens, of course, have a ton of retired numbers. There's and re- a lot of them recently, Blake. At one time, it was seven retired numbers, and the standard wasn't even get to the Hall of Fame. It was 
being a great Hall of Famer. How like many cups he got? Out How many cups he got? Hall of Famers. But, no, my point and then is they decided. You know what? This is stupid. Ken Dryden belongs in the Raptors. Patrick Waugh belongs in the Raptors. And so you started seeing Bob Gainey and, and, and doubles. We started to see doubles, right? Like Dickie Moore and Yvonne Cornway both were 12. They're both retired. Mm-hmm. So we do have some precedent in the National Hockey League sure. where, you know, one number can be honored for more than one player. So that is available to the Vancouver Canucks. It wouldn't be crazy. I just think if they had retired one, there would have been far less debate about this. Like it would have been just maybe some people would have groaned, but it would have been kind of like, you know, Marcus Naslin was kind of a borderline pick. Like I think there's a lot of people that think that Naslin's number shouldn't have been retired at, at the time, but people just sort of, they kind of groaned quickly and or maybe had a quick debate, but people moved on quickly and got to celebrate him. And I remember that night, it was a fantastic night. And I, I think that, uh, you know, with Luongo, they had an opportunity to really create a, a really special moment. It'll be, it'll, it'll be, you know, special lowercase s, uh, you know, for ring of honor, but I think they had a chance to do something really special for, for Luongo and they've decided against it. And I guess I, I, I do get the argument of like, okay, well, you know, what standard do you have in here? I guess the way I think of it is like if the Canucks start winning cups and they've got all these other guys that they need to put in and they're running out of numbers, like what a great problem to have. Like let's cross that bridge. Yeah, when we exactly. get to I would love to have that problem. But so. the, the other thing that I, I think about this topic guys is like, it's somewhat perfect for how polarizing Luongo was throughout his entire career yeah. Yeah. that in retirement, it's like, he's part of this great debate. And once again, uh, you know about what to do, what to do with them. Uh, so, in some ways, it's 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 pretty appropriate. That's think- a great shout, Rob, because I can remember on the day he was traded, and we were doing a show. We had half the audience going, "What the hell are they doing? I cannot believe they've traded Roberto's, particularly since they just traded Corey Schneider uh, in the recent past." And then the other half were going, he doesn't want to be here. Glad he's gone. Let's get him the hell out of town. Great Mm -hmm. trade. This Markstrom kid might be something. I I threw this out on social media, guys. And you know, this is all about clicks these days. It's all about eyeballs. It's all about creating stir. What if the Vancouver Canucks surprised him on this night? And it ended up being a Jersey retirement. Can you imagine how epic that would be? Because that's an extra honor. Not only, and, and if there's any guy that could roll with it, that would be, I think, fine with sort of th- that. I mean, I t- imagine and, how, imagine the video of that. And Blake, get Kirk on the ice with them to sort of make it okay. It's okay with me, exactly. <laughs> I mean, honestly, can you imagine that moment? Oh, I mean, love it. They, they'd lead Sports Center in the U.S. for God's sakes with that sort of a thing. I, yeah, I wonder. I'm just wondering about like how long they'd have to like delay the game to start or like just kind of secretly tell everyone to arrive early for the, for the, uh, I mean, how much longer is a retirement game, a retirement ceremony Uh, from this ceremony? You know, I don't know. uh, Five more minutes. Every once in a while, Blake price, (laughs) not bad. Just saying not bad. It's kind of like his idea for a winter classic in mystery Alaska or, or at Whistler. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Are we done here? Do, you want to, do, do we want to continue on? No, we're good. Okay. 
Uh, when are they going to solidify lines here? Do you think, uh, Rob? Do you think people at this early junction are frustrated by the the the? I to me, I'm not I'm not hearing that yet. But you tell me. I see. Here's my thing. My thoughts on preseason, and I know a lot of this doesn't matter, and we we probably make too much of it because we got you know you know training camp and preseason. We got like a month to just kind of spitball things, and we need something to talk about, right? My general theory on preseason is teams often experiment way too much and and i think that's the case in this training camp right now for me like what is cole mcward doing out with quinn hughes like the canucks need to find quinn hughes a partner i know he's a right shot but like does anybody truly believe that cole mcward is going to step into never mind just stepping in the nhl like that's going to be a challenge in itself to step in the nhl and then be paired with quinn hughes playing big minutes, key minutes against top competition. That's way too much, way too soon. Like why <laughs> Noah Juleson with, with Hughes on the first day of camp? Like that made no sense to me at all. I know there's not a lot of great right shot options out there, but like, let's get, let's get serious about, about finding Quinn Hughes a partner. So like, that's for me, that's, that's something right now where, you know, there's so much experimentation. Like, look at the power play. They're making huge, huge changes to their power play with all the movement. We've got to see it in, the, in a game situation. And they don't have their entire power play one group together. Like, to me, like, what are we doing here? Like, they need to find chemistry. They need to get these things ironed out. This is what the this is the time for it. And to me, I think they're doing too much experimentation. Um, you know, I, I'm sure they'll, they've got time, like they'll do this probably like the last two or three preseason games. But like, for me, I would just say like, let's go like with the things you already know, let's get those things gelled as much as possible well before the season starts. Let me take that on for a second. Cause for the most part, I agreed with you. I agree with you. And I also, you know, raised eyebrow on Juleson and, and Mick Ward again. But Rob, do they really need to find him a partner or is he just going to play so much more than any other defenseman? It's going to be Hughes and committee, Hughes and company, basically, all season long. And we'll worry about getting him a more solidified right shot defense partner. Maybe it's Tom Wheelander or maybe it's somebody they pick up uh, in free agency or via trade for next year. As great as Hughes is, and I and I really like him as a player, like like having chemistry having someone that you play with and re- and rely on i think mm-hmm. that's really important i don't think he's good enough to like just you just throw anyone over the boards with him i think that that uh, puts him in a tough spot and i think you want to put him in the the best spot to succeed now you know getting back to this like experimentation like i don't mind some experiments like the ones that that have a chance to work like H- hoaglander on the first line i don't know if that's going to be like the long-term fit for their first line, I suspect maybe not. That might be a little bit too much for Hoaglander right now, but worth a shot, right? Like he's shown something at the NHL level before, um, you know, same thing with Pod Coles and like that. I don't know if that's going to work, but like, I'm fine with them trying those kinds of things. That's that kind of experimentation. I'm, I'm fine with, but the like throwing guys that, that everyone has penciled for the AHL into key spots, like in, in the preseason, I know it's only preseason, but like, mm-hmm. like try, let's try to find something here. Yeah. I would suspect you'll see more solidified stuff after, after tonight. tonight. Yeah. yeah, I think once you get home on Saturday uh, to play your first home preseason game and yeah. into next week, I think you'll see uh, something that's a little more representative of opening night NHL. It's kind of crazy that the penultimate 
preseason game mm-hmm. is in Abbotsford. Like that's that's yeah. that's like a that's a dress rehearsal game, and they're they're giving it to Abbotsford. You uh, you were struck by Elias Petterson in the faceoff dot last night, Rob. Eighty percent on the draws, which. <laughs> where did this come from <laughs> right like he, he's been a career 43 percent uh guy in the face-off dot uh you know hasn't had any season where he came close to 50 percent uh that's been you know a weak spot in his game and to come out you know it's just one game it's just preseason uh but to come out and be 80 percent in the draws and not against ahl guys like this is against mcdavid and dry and we all know brandon how brandon sutter is in, in the face-off dot to come out and be 80% win, win all those draws against that kind of a competition, I thought it was very impressive. And if you looked at, I, I was looking at like Drysaddle, like Drysaddle was there cheating off the draw, slashing his stick before, you, you know, before, before the puck is dropped and doing like, you know, I'm, I'm sure that uh, maybe they weren't hundred uh, percent focus on those draws, but like, you know, I, I think they, I think they, when they step into the circle, they, they, they try to win the draws. So, for Pedersen to be like that against those guys, eighty percent, I'm that's something I think to watch going forward. Like, is Pedersen's or his numbers going to be way higher in the dot? And I think that would be a healthy wrist. Yeah, he's he's stronger. He looks like a man now. Um, you know, I think both of those factors probably weigh into that. Absolutely, I, and I'd be curious to know if he's been somehow working on this in the summer. Like, is he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> does he have a secret face-off coach? I don't know. Well, as Jeff was saying on rink wide uh, last night, it's very important that he does that because he does have to be a centerman and be a matchup centerman going forward. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very good sign, and and we'll see if it continues here uh, as the preseason moves along. Rob, marvelous stuff today. Thank you for this. We will catch up next week. Thank you. Harrison Price from Wall Center Presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. The Golf Report is brought to you by the Whistler Golf Club. Wrapping up another incredible year of golf at the Palmer. Last day of operation, October 8th. So still some time to squeeze in some great fall golf. But if you're an organizer of a group of 12 or more, not too early to plan for 2024. Visit whistlergolf.com slash groups. Tell them about your team, your group. They'll get you tea times held for 2024. And you, the group organizer, plays for free. More details, whistlergolf.com slash groups. So a couple of things about the Ryder Cup at the Marco Simone Club outside of Rome. First of all, we talked yesterday about the drivable par fours. Did you see Victor Hovland made an ace on a par four today? Did he? Yes, he sure did. Save it for the real thing. Or the only house Oh, it's tomorrow, yeah. The gamesmanship has also begun. The opening ceremonies today, just as Zach Johnson, American captain, was getting up to address what was a huge crowd of fans there and the dignitaries. Team Europe had planes fly over, emitting the Italian flag colors, red, white, and green. Johnson had to stop his speech and look on up at the jets overhead. And we have Friday morning foursome set. This is alternate shot. You're losing me. <laughs> Freaking alternate shot. Oh, God. Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley formed a very successful partnership two years ago. 
And so, or two or three. Yeah, because I believe they uh, missed a, a year with the uh, pandemic. They're going to play Rory McIlroy and Tommy Fleetwood. That's the last of the four foursome matches. How about team captain on the European side, Luke Donald? He is looking to fire up that crowd right out of the chute. John Rahm, Tyrrell Hatton, there will be curse words in the opening match. They're playing Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns. Of course, earlier in the week, Tyrrell Hatton was asked, could John Rahm keep up with you in a swearing contest? And his answer was, fuck no. Mm. <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of... There's there's going to be a lot of emotion, I would think, in that first one. The uh, rookie is not even played in a major. Ludwig Auberg is playing with Victor Hovland. This is one of the best collegiate golfers. Luke Donald has gone way out on a limb here and taking this kid and saying, look, at worst he gets experience for the future because he is going to be a Ryder Cupper down the road. Uh, at best, you know, talent knows no age, and he just goes out and doesn't know any better and plays great golf. They'll play Max Homa and Brian Harmon. Ricky Fowler going to play with Colin Morikawa against Shane Lowry and, and Seb Straka, the big Austrian. No Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth in the foursome alternate shots. And this is going to be interesting to watch. In Spieth's case, it might just be, you know, he's very talkative. He gets down on himself. Mm -hmm. Maybe an alternate shot. That's not perhaps his best format. And then as we all know, Justin Thomas is the last guy on the American team and a controversial captain's pick to begin with. He played poor golf this year. I think he's going to have to get used to being left out. And I do wonder what that's going to do to his attitude. Because the U.S. team has been waylaid and has been defeated in Ryder Cup's past as much because of the infighting in their team room as what the Europeans have done on course. On Saturday afternoon, I think you could see him really step up. That's when they, of course, moved to uh, the chipping contest and mini putt. And the windmill hole. Yeah. yeah he's really good in the windmill. So once they move to that, I think there's a chance. And, of course, they move into the VR booth on Sunday mornings, and um, and there could be an opportunity there for him to make a, an impact. You still don't get it, huh? <laughs> Can we get serious here? <laughs> I am trying no, to. No, instead, I just, I, 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 it's I alternate cannot believe, shot. Despite, despite sitting beside me for 12 years and having me laud this tournament each and every, well, every two years. Blake, it is the best show in golf. The crowd is the best. The players show more emotion than they ever do, even at majors. Who can forget Rory McIlroy, Patrick Reed, wagging the fingers at each other? Can I hear you all those? More emotion? Did Way you, more did emotion. Did you see the Canadian Open? Way more emotion. Did you see the Canadian oh, Open? Oh, but that was a one-off. Oh, stop it. And then lastly, they're playing. Again, what I love about it, it's a psychological experiment. All these guys in an individual sport, which, let's face it, if you're going to be that good at golf, it takes a lot of selfishness. And yet once every two years, they get to play for a larger constituency. Not just their team and captains and vice captains, but their fans, and in Europe's case, their continent. And it means more to them than any golf major does. Best ball I can get behind. Alternate shot makes it have the level of gravitas of the father-son tournament. Play your own ball. Well, That's golf. And when you talk about play your own ball... Mm. 
some of these pairings will be set based on the fact that guys play a common ball. Because that's been one of the issues in the past as well. That if you know one guy's playing tightless and one guy's oh, playing yes. Bridgestone or yeah. something like that, yeah. these pros are so finicky that that makes a difference to them. Yeah. Some guys actually play Bridgestone, you think? I don't think so. Whatever. <laughs> Tailor made. <laughs> you think anybody's playing Vice out there? Probably not. Okay. Kirkland. One of these years you'll get it, Blake. Apparently 2023 is not the year. Ah. Let's get to errors and omissions from yesterday's program. It's a lengthy list. Uh, I got the Detroit Tigers outfielder wrong who hit the famous home run in 1987 to beat the Blue Jays 1-0 in the final game of the regular season. I said it was Chet Lemon. No, he was playing center field that day. It was Larry Herndon off mm-hmm. Jimmy Key to win one nothing. You were right about the Manny Lee error on the Saturday of that series, yep. the penultimate game, right through the wickets. And that's how the Jays lost that one. Uh, you said you had one that you wanted to report? Um, do you know where Capilano Stadium is? You mentioned that with regards to uh, Brooks Robinson playing for the Mounties. Is it just the previous name of Nat Bailey it Stadium? It is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Not a different stadium. Grady, you said you had one as well. Yes. On rink-wide last night, Matthew, you referred to Jeff as Blake. Did I really? Yep. Mm, He didn't correct me. He must have been saying something stupid at the time. Colin Miller called me Matt last night on the radio broadcast. Yes. We had just spoken to a a contributor from Colorado whose name was Matt, and with you Uh, as maybe in his head. No, I'm often in his head. I usually send him notes uh, when I'm listening to the two of you guys on the broadcast. Last night I wasn't able to. I was engaged with Rinkwide. Did he carry you again? Oh, as always, yeah. And one on myself. Yesterday's pod, I uh, incorrectly placed the ad break in a spot where it shouldn't have been. Oh, so my God. shout out to David in the inbox. Good, David. You keep him honest. Yeah, exactly. Feel free to feed back mm. to Grady. He is a little bit absent-minded. Today, walked in with his shirt inside out. <laughs> <laughs> Long sleeve, white shirt, no logo, yeah, no design. N- no it tags. Happens. No tag, no seams? Nobody like, cares. Nobody cares. Tags and seams are a big on. clue. I'm scrambling to get out the door in the Erica morning. Erica let you walk out looking She like was that. still in bed. She didn't notice. I know. Mine's always in bed, too, when I leave the house. Must be nice. Oh, so jealous. <laughs> Boat on line of the daytime with Blake Price. I got, I got the opposite. I've been up for games. an hour and a half. I got accused of sleeping until 730. Poker strategies and sports odds. Who you like, what you got? Uh, I'm going to Wembley Stadium for this weekend. You know that Jacksonville's not even 500 in London. They should be experts yeah. at this yet. 6.30 kickoff, right? Yeah. Take the Falcons, plus 135. Even with that dreadful quarterback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Lawrence bounces back this week. On your Bodog line of day, hey, London could be their new home. They're, That's what I'm they're saying, but they better start... You know, treating it like one. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on social media. That's Twitter, Insta, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local. <laughs>